This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Jim Smith and Vikrant Kotari each had ambitions to start a company whose focus would be on using information technology as a way to help solve social problems. But it wasn't until they met in Wharton's MBA program for executives that their idea came together in the form of the Digital Network Group. Two affiliates under the Digital Network Group umbrella include one targeted to helping nonprofits develop innovative and long-term IT strategy. The other is a service program that shows how IT and mentoring can help disadvantaged young people, from middle school on up, become productive members of society. Jim and Vic spoke to Knowledge at Wharton about these initiatives. Vic and Jim, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Could you start by telling us a little bit about the Digital Network Group? Uh, sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, Digital Network Group is uh, a portfolio company. Uh, we've got a couple of lines of business. Um, our traditional uh, business is IT and management consulting, working with corporations and uh, government agencies, really around a lot of back-end processes, application of technology. Uh, we also have a nonprofit where we um, really do research and conduct uh, and implement service programs, again, with the focus on how do we create social value through the application of technology. Um, and there we've got two, two projects. One is a technical capability model, which looks to uh, help nonprofits um, develop their IT strategy over a long time frame. So as they grow, you know, when should they make the investments and what should they make the investments in? And then we also have our kinetic potential mentoring system, which is um, really focused on reverse engineering the career development process for, for students. And those are really the two things that we, we do. What do you mean by reverse engineering the career development process? Sounds very interesting. Yeah. Um, so when we think about, uh, again, particularly those students who we define at risk, who live in urban environments, who come from single-family households, who currently are, are somewhat outside of, um, of some of the opportunities. Are these high school students? Um, we, we start working with them as early as in middle school. And so, again, I think the very first thing is that we want to have a long-term relationship with these students. And again, as we start thinking about mentoring them, we really want to mentor them so that they can become productive citizens and that they can, can secure you know, great jobs with great earning potential. Well, if we think about how do we actually execute that, we actually start with the goal. So how do you help someone become an investment banker? Well, we start by going to an organization like a Goldman Sachs and say, well, tell me about those entry-level positions. Tell me about where those shortages are going to be. And tell me what the attributes are for a strong candidate. And so now we have that profile. And so what we begin to think about is how to, over time, in terms of, again, a maturity model, how do we build those skill sets so at the point in time when they're eligible, from a development perspective, um, timing perspective, age, uh, for these type of opportunities that they actually have those skills. And what we're looking at are what are the resources within their community, nonprofits that are doing this service delivery development programs, that when we bring them together, that we can create a service network and look at which organizations are developing which skills. And by bringing those together, um, and, we're, and we serve as the integrator. So we look at all these organizations. We, in essence, we're saying that, that this market should work a little bit better, that technology can help uh, string these things together so that we can create a career path that would build those skills over time. What kind of reception have you gotten for this idea so far? 
For this idea, we have uh, several stakeholders and they have different uh, uh, different stake in this whole model. And from everybody we have, we have heard that, yeah, this, this is something that they can see value in and they can also add value to this network. So as Jim said, that we are the integrators. So everybody that we are trying to integrate should be able to derive value out of it and input value into this. So we have the stakeholders in terms of the kids themselves and where they come from, like school systems and all. They are very receptive of this idea that we are exposing the kids to the career and also connecting them with people how can they reach their how can they reach their goal so this is the term that jim talked about kinetic potential so we are saying that kids have lots of potential now we have to make it kinetic means that we have to realize that potential to become somebody and then if we look at the funders we are saying that look you have been investing in all these programs but rather why don't you invest in the kids in this community so if you invest in the kids you can they can see their goal you are anyway giving money to the programs invest in these kids and help them reach the goal and the same way we have we have worked with corporations they are running into their own issues of workforce workforce resource issue and there's a skill gap that the skills that they need are not necessarily the skills that we are building in schools so they have a stake in it and we are saying that look i mean these are the kids you expose them what what you want and they'll they will look at that and they will make those decisions and we will provide the resources so that they can get there. So from all perspectives, we can say that we got a very positive response from all the stakeholders. Is there any school system in particular where you've actually tried this out? And can you tell us about that? Yeah, we've um, over the summer, we actually piloted our program in Washington, D.C., working with uh, McKinley Technology High School and a local church, uh, Greater Mount Calvary Holy Church. And it was a very great learning experience for us because, you know, going from, as, as Vic was talking about, more from the con- concept, right? So when we think about the concept in terms of what we can do and help this market, we think about how fragmented it is with the number of suppliers and the number of funders and just a lack of accountability so that technology can really come in. If you think about um, scholarships that go unutilized, you know, why is that? So, so there's kind of the supply-demand issue. But when we actually piloted it over the summer, what we learned is that when we actually meet the kids – is that they have, you know, low expectations. The kids that we're working with, again, that are in this kind of urban environment, um, which we typically are defining at-risk youth, um, low expectations about what they can be. I mean, for us, one of the very first things we work on with these students is about their vision of what careers are. Um, you know, this, even this term investment banker, you know, they don't know what that means. And so we really want to expose them to that. And so to see the kids light up and be so excited about, you know, today I thought I wanted to be um, an accountant, but today, now that I know what an investment banker is, so we help them raise their expectation, you know, and we really focus on our slogan for 2008-2009 school year is, you know, want more, do more, and be more. So we really want to uplift their expectations of, you know, who they are and what they want to be and what kind of quality of life they want to have. And we want to really attach to them. That means that they have to do more than they are today. So not only do we want them to raise their expectations, we want to let them know that we have higher expectations of them, which, again, I think are connect those two things together. And at the end of it, it's, it's be more. And that's really the, the achievement of those expectations. And so it's this transformation process. And so that we connect with the students so that every day matters. And uh, Vic and I had the privilege of working with the students over the summer and to begin to see that light go on, to begin to see them learn about how to 
do research on the different sectors and the different companies and to begin thinking about how they can get themselves internships. Um, it was just a great process for us. And I just want to add to this that in the example that we gave about, you know, being somebody wanting to be an accountant and then think about being an investment banker. There's nothing wrong in being an accountant and then think about being an investment banker. What we are saying is that we are just exposing you to more options. And then based upon your perceptions, you can pick and choose that what do you want to be. You thought that accountant would, would achieve what you think you might want to be, but maybe it's something else. And, and that's essentially the point, that a lot of people think that what these careers might mean, being a doctor is, is great, but as Jim said, like, you know, do more. To become a doctor, you have to cross through ma- many stages before you can be what you want to be. And that is the sort of expectation that, that we want to raise, that, that you, you want to be more, we are going to match what you want to be, and then you have to learn that what do you have to do to get there. And, what kind of skill levels and, and career paths do you find that companies are looking for? Well, I, I can give you a, a great example with one of the companies we're working with today that happens to be in the energy sector. Um, over the next five to ten years, uh, up to 45% of their workforce is going to be eligible for retiring. And so this becomes a very critical need for them because the type of positions are are those folks when you have your your gases out, you smell gas, and that come out to your house. You know, that's an example of those positions that have um, certification process, that also have, um, that, that are very concerned about your history in terms of criminal activity. So the other point I wanted to make is that it's for us, it's a very holistic approach to working with the students. A lot of our students are, come from um, financially challenged backgrounds, uh, lower social economic circumstances. And so for them, they're going to need to reach out and, and get some support, um, scholarships. And so what we try to do is help the kids be able to vision where they're going so that now every day matters. So it matters if, you, you're, um, if you're getting in trouble with the law because that might jeopardize your scholarship or this opportunity. Uh, another example in terms of what corporations are looking for is that um, with a lot of our communication providers, they're having a hard time finding people who actually would go up on the pole, so the pole climbers. So there are a lot of uh, occupations within the community where you can see this kind of labor shortage, again, that there's not enough supply. And then you've also kind of got this unique need where the students need this kind of guidance and counseling and this roadmap in terms of what they can be and be more. And so what we do as integrator is to identify where the opportunities are and then to reverse engineer by defining that path so that the students can then, working with their mentors, then follow that path to these, to these destinations. Doesn't so, mean- yeah, yeah, exactly. So one, one of the great examples that we heard was from a NASA scientist that if you, if you are excited about rockets getting launched and you want to look at that and you want to work there, well, guess what? If you want to be there and want to be a NASA scientist, then you have to take calculus now in high school. You don't take that, that path is close to you. And that is the kind of exposure that we want to give, give to our students. Right. And it's really about, and, 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 and that's a great example, because what he emphasized that NASA scientists was that for the schools that they hire from, those schools expect that you've already taken calculus at that point in time. And that's something that we can then begin working the earlier we begin working with the students. And when we go out to corporations, um, what the corporations say is that they recognize that they've got to reach back earlier. But oftentimes, there's no, there's no kind of formalized, standardized process that allows corporations to come in and deliver against their core 
processes, their core competencies, so that um, we're taking the we're integrating the best of what everyone has to offer into a cohesive solution, and that's really what the, the Cape Kinetic Potential Mentoring System does. Let's just take that calculus example. So if a company comes in and, and, and tells these students that they need to have taken calculus at a certain time in their career, else they're going to be locked out of that particular path. What if that kid, what if that student uh, ha- doesn't even have the background to take calculus? I mean, what if, they, what if they're afraid of calculus? What if the, the very word, like, like me, would make me shiver? <laughs> what, uh, what, what support do you offer then to build that, that, that student up to that level? So that see that's that's the pipeline concept that we have that we want to to get the kids as early as possible so that we can start building that foundation and what this whole process is about is building a solid foundation so it's not just about calculus but the thing is that if you are afraid of calculus then maybe that is the career that you might not want to consider you might want to consider something else which where you are good at and whatever that career be there is no career which is better or worse than other you know everybody chooses a career based upon their own perceptions and talents but you need to be able to identify that what you need to do now to follow that path. Because many often, I, I, at least including myself, I find people who say that, I wish I had known that when I was in high school. And almost all of us say that, I wish I had known that. And that's the kind of information that we want to bring to people, to bring to our students. And from a, from a process perspective, though, one of the very first things we do in terms of the intake process with the students is a needs assessment. And so it's not just in terms of the career. The very first thing we're trying to take this term at risk and provide a little more context. What, what does that exactly mean? You know, we, we understand in terms of working with um, some academics in both education and the field of sociology that um, students who come from single-family households are subject to certain things. And so oftentimes we're also saying, well, we need to associate these students with more students who are doing positive things because we know that this risk profile means that they may be spending a lot of time alone, which increases their risk for negative youth outcomes. But again, we also look at their interests and so, so their personality types and their interests and so that we can then say someone who has this personality trait or these interests, here are the type of careers that they might go into and so that they can then become doing do research and then try to connect them with a mentor who may have that field as well as someone who ha- may have a totally different field so that, they, again, they get a very broad perspective and different uh, inputs. I wonder, uh, based on what you said, was there anything in your own personal backgrounds that uh, took you down this path? Uh, and I, if, if so, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think uh, I think Vic and I probably are both the, the poster child for, <laughs> for how we think this works. <laughs> Um, so for me personally, um, I grew up in uh, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Um, I grew up in subsidized housing. And so I'm very familiar, I think, with the challenges that a lot of these students face. And so oftentimes when I see the students, my message to them is that I was sitting exactly where you guys are today and you guys could be standing where I'm at. And so I also benefit from a lot of development program. I was in uh, Project Concern that uh, was a busing program, desegregation program that took me from Bridgeport, Connecticut to Westport, Connecticut. What did that do for me? Wow, this is very different. And so I saw people who lived a different lifestyle, had different occupations, and that raised my own expectations. The school system had a higher um, matriculation rate into college, so it was just kind of a foregone conclusion that was going to go. So we know that this association and the right environment 
is a big driver for how the students view themselves and their opportunities. And so when I, uh, when I came to Wharton, I really wanted to look at an opportunity for how can I bring my IT and management consulting skills and working with you know, these Fortune 500 companies and my desire to be uh, a community organizer, a community activist together. And I began to look at you know, these supply-demand issues. We've got these scholarships that go unused. We've got these internships. And so it just kind of dawned on me that you know, these groups, these development programs are very valuable, and we really think that they're needed and they provide a great role. But we are concerned that, uh, that the, what we define as the youth and workforce and community development marketplace really doesn't function as you would anticipate, like the retail markets or transportation or the financial markets. They don't have this kind of central, someone who plays this kind of integrator role that has this technology that enforces standardization and accountability. And we think that this is a great opportunity and a role that we can play that would produce a significant value, make the, uh, the market a bit more efficient, and produce better outcomes. Vic, what about your background? And for me, I, I grew up in a small town in India, and it was all pre-internet age and not knowing much about it. I just came to this country with, you know, with an admission to a university and 1000 bucks. And I really did not know know anybody over here or, or anything. So I have discovered my way through. I have learned from my mistakes. I made lots of them. And I have, I have, you know, through my own way, like I became an IT consultant. And then I came to Wharton, which was a very transformative experience for me. So there are so many times that I have said that I wish I had known that thing when I was there and I could have made a better decision in my life. And so for me, there's right there, there's an opportunity where I can create value from what I have learned. And then through this Warden education, uh, I could bring the, the social entrepreneurship together where you are creating social and economic value at the same time. So to me, this is a perfect opportunity that, that you want to be able to create economic value as well as you want to be able to give back to the community. And uh, th- this was a perfect opportunity when when we are creating a technology system through our, bag- through our background uh, where we are going to be integrating all this information and all these resources and bringing all the stakeholders together. So uh, this is what exactly where, where I want it to be. Uh, so, What are the principal challenges that you face right now? Well, it's interesting. I mean, <clears throat> I think we face um, some challenges that you would anticipate for any uh, organization that's in its early stages. You know, we're doing something that we think is very innovative, um, it's not quite as a traditional, it's not a traditional line of business in terms of, uh, I think, some of the things that we've learned while we're here at, at Wharton. Um, so the capital markets in terms of financing some of the deals has been, um, you know, one of the things that we've, you know, constantly had to look for. Um, I think lots of organizations uh, have that challenge. Um, I think the second thing, though, is it's also somewhat of a mind shift. You know, we now, as Vic talked about, we've got this youth stakeholder model that kind of separates the community into customers and educators, service providers and employers. And each of these organ, each of these kind of segments of this kind of market operates differently in terms of their day-to-day functioning. So as an employer, 
you know, you're driven by your shareholders and uh, making sure that you can be efficient and swift in the marketplace. I think it's a little bit different if you work for a nonprofit organization. The motivation is different. And so for us, in terms of bringing these uh, groups together, we have to be very sensitive in terms of kind of how they all each operate. We, we share a common goal of helping the students move through the pipeline and this way that we're educating and developing them and preparing them for their future. And I think that our role is to help people, you know, come into that process that respects, you know, their contributions and their time and also um, makes it still kind of a cohesive solution so that everyone can function effectively. How do you get your money for this project? Well, with our with our youth stakeholder model, one of the things that we do is, and, and, that, and that's a great question because, in our in our traditional in a traditional view, you would view the customer as the, you know, kind of your primary source of funding for your revenue model. But here, we're working as an example with uh, with the Prince George's County Public School System. And if you think about the economy currently, you know their budgets are contracting, and so they're already being asked to do more with less. And so our challenge is to, you know, how do we deliver this service as a business? And so we have to actually distribute that cost. So we ask the school system, recognizing their position, their financial position, to you know maybe contribute ten to twenty-five percent. Then we ask the employers who are actually going to be beneficiaries from the talent uh, that we're developing, as well as access to the mentors who represent talent today, well, we ask them to contribute and underwrite some of that cost as well as philanthropists. And then we really think it's important, and Vic and I have this conversation often, we really think it's important that the student themselves make a contribution to their own development. And so then we support community um, fundraising activities to allow the students to raise some money so that they can have a vested stake in their own long-term growth. And which is yeah, which is exactly the point, especially for for the for the students uh, that we want we want them to realize that they have to take responsibility for for what they want to be, and it's not an easy road. It was not easy for me. It was not easy for Jim, and it's it's mostly not easy for people to be what they want to be, and that's a fact of life. Which they they through with through this they get exposure to this. That if they are supporting themselves for a program by actually doing fundraising, then they realize that you know getting something for free, it's you know it, it loses kind of some of the value. So so they find a lot of you know people who are motivated, they find a lot of motivation through this. And one of the things I just want to add, I mean, I, I was listening to Bill Clinton, I think recently, and I think that he made a point that I think is very fundamental to what we're we're doing is that the students that we're talking about are students who, by whatever chance, are really kind of going a little bit against the odds. And so people are motivated, you know, they'll be motivated if they know that the energy and effort that they put in, that there's some level of predictable outcome for that effort. And so for that to happen, and this was, I think, one of the things that Clinton was saying, for that to happen, well, we need the infrastructure and the processes so that this can be an objective and repeatable process. And that's, in essence, what we try to do with the technology is to make sure that we can emphasize to the students that, yeah, you know, you can want more and we want you to want more than you have today than what you see today. But you have to do more. And that's just a part of your current circumstances. And so that's fine. But take control of your destiny. We'll show you the roadmap. We'll get you the resources. And it's possible. Well, that's a good place to end. Vic, Jim, thank you both for coming by and good luck. Thank you so much. We appreciate the opportunity. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, 
please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.